Hey everyone, David Nagel here. I'd like to welcome you to the Successful Mind Podcast. On today's show, I'm diving into my vast catalog of archived materials to share with you what I'm calling Lessons from the Vault. Periodically, I'm going to be sharing with you lessons from classes that I've taught in the past. Since most of these were done over the phone, you may notice a difference in audio quality. I'm hoping that doesn't diminish your listening experience because the content is something that I'm very proud of. All right, let's open the vault. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. The topic of today's call is, do you really want it bad enough? Um, I am currently reading uh, Keith Richards' biography, Life, uh, I think this is my third read. I don't think that um, you really get the essence of most of the stuff you read unless you read it five times. I usually read things, most things, three to five times, and if it's really good, even more, because uh, you just miss so much the first few times through. Um, and I think that also you get a theme for a book uh, once you start reading it. So like the first time you start reading it, something might catch your eye and you start looking for representations of that uh, as you go through the, the, the piece of work. But then the next time that you read it, something else catches your eye and you start looking for themes for that as you go through uh, the piece of work. So uh, really good stuff I read um, uh, over and over again. And I think that uh, the Keith's book is uh, its a pretty amazing piece of work. Um, most people have no idea uh, the genius that this guy uh, really is. And if you don't know who he is, he's the guitarist for the Rolling Stones. However, the point is um, not so much about Keith, but one of the things that stood out to me as I was reading this was the amount of work that went into um, the success of the Rolling Stones. And he talks about how they toured uh, for four years straight when they first started in 1962. And the amount of time off they had in those first four years was a total of 10 days. They had 10 days off in four years. And, you know, with every biography that I read, um, with every success story that I study, the same thing goes through it like a thread one through another. And that is, especially in the very beginning, the amount of work and dedication that the person or the people put into the success. Now, I mean, uh, the Rolling Stones is, you know, the only band that's been around for basically for 50 years. I mean, these guys have, uh, they've just been unstoppable. I remember, uh, back in, uh, the seventies, 
somebody told me that the you know the stones were a fad and they wouldn't be around another five years and you know I, I remember thinking how short-sighted some people could actually be but you know I remember that and some of you have heard this story before when I first started out uh, I started out in in network marketing and I was just struggling my ass off uh, in that company. Um, I was working a full-time job, and then I would come home at night, and I would work my multi-level marketing company uh, to the wee hours of the morning. And I was making progress, but just nowhere near the progress that I wanted. And I asked somebody that I had great respect for that was uh, at the top of the company what my problem was. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, you don't want it bad enough. And I remember at the time just getting so angry with this guy um, because, you know, deep down inside, I was like, who the hell are you to tell me I don't want it bad enough? I'm, you know, I'm working my tail off here. But the truth of the matter was that when I calmed down and really started looking at what he said, I didn't want it bad enough. I was working... Uh, to the best of what I knew the best to be at the time. And I think that a lot of people have this problem. They don't understand what their best really is. So they work hard. They work till they get tired, which is what they're using as a barometer of their best. And then they stop. Um, I heard somebody say, you know, make the comment uh, earlier today. Um, I was reviewing uh, some sales calls uh, for some people, and they, the person on the call basically said, uh, my problem in my business is that I'm not making enough money, and I'm doing everything that I possibly can, uh, you know, working my tail to the bone, and it's just not happening. I just, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing everything right, but it's not happening. And that's a clear indication that a person does not understand the cause and effect of what's going on in their business. Um, they think that uh, working hard, to their definition of hard, is all that it takes. And I, you know, for years I've always said, you know, it, it, you have to understand what the cause and effect of making money is in a, in a business. But another problem is also uh, very prevalent, and that is that what's your definition of working hard? Uh, because it's probably not my definition, and it's probably not the definition of what uh, real successful people have as a definition of working hard. Now, when I say working hard, I'm, I don't mean working miserable, okay? There's a, there's a very big difference. And if you cannot separate the idea of those two things in your mind, it's probably because you're coming from a middle-class belief system where all work is hard, all work is miserable. Um, you know, the middle-class lifestyle is about about working to a point where you can stop working, whether it's during the day, an 8 or a 10 or a 12-hour day, and thank God I'm off. And then it's working for the week where we can't, you know, Wednesday's hump day. We can't wait to get, you know, over the hump, and then thank God it's Friday. 
Um, and then for most people, Sunday's kind of miserable because they're, they have to go back to work on Monday. And, uh, you know, it's just so I can get my two weeks vacation every year. And when is it that I'm going to be able to retire from doing what I hate doing, you know, most of my life? Um, it's a very interesting perspective. It's a very, really uh, an interesting perspective. And I think that we need to reevaluate what is actually hard and what is miserable and what is it that we enjoy doing. Um, one of a, a gift that was given to me in the, in the form of a saying was by some person that I heard say years and years ago, I will not be denied my own success. I will not be denied my own success. And you might want to write that down and keep that in front of you because the only person that can deny their success uh, or have their success denied to them is you. Nobody else denies you your success. And if you're not willing to work harder than you've ever worked, if you're not willing to break through your own limitations on a daily basis, you can never expect to get the result. You know, sometimes we hear people say, um, I'm tired of making phone calls. Well, then you should get a job. Um, I'm tired of having to spend money. Well, then you should get a job. Uh, I'm tired of being told no. Well, then you should get a job. I'm tired of having to learn something new. Well, then you should get a job. All of those things are indicative of the idea that you just want it to stop. You see, owning a business is about lifelong growth. Because if you're not going to continue to grow personally in your skill set, in your knowledge of your industry, in what it is that you do, in your way of, of, of having innovative thinking, being willing to risk, being willing to lose at times, then you don't belong having a business. And that's not a mean thing to say. That's probably one of the greatest things you'll ever hear because you're just going to be damn miserable. Every sales call is a potential for a person to learn and become better at what they're doing. Um, you know, I'll stand in front of a room and do sales demonstrations or sales training or listen to calls or interact with people uh, in like a mock sales setup, and people are really kind of marveled by how I respond to those things as if we were in a, in a sales conversation and you can watch everybody scrambling to, to take notes uh, like it's some genius thing that I've said. And it, it, it really isn't. What you're seeing is years of dedication to the craft of sales on my part and being a constant student of it, um, which means that I've also had to become a student of human behavior I've had to do something that most people would rather die than do, and that is actually listen to another person intently instead of listening to the voices that are going on inside of my head or the background noise from the television or worrying about what's going on in the house while I'm working, but actually really being focused in and listening to another human being and what it is that they're trying to communicate, realizing that most people don't communicate that well. You've got to pick through um, the voice inflection. You have to pick through what's true and what's not true, learn to tell the difference. You have to learn to ask questions. 
You have to learn to challenge what it is that they're saying and what, they're, what they believe to be true. And none of that stuff has anything to do with you at all. It has to do with really being focused on uh, your ability to help another individual. And then do that 100 times a week, every week, uh, week in, week out, year in, year out, uh, to build a career. Now, you know, if you're willing to do those things, you will be an expert in your field. You will make as much money as you could ever possibly dream of making. If you're not willing to do those things, there's no magic bullet that's going to fix it for you. Um, it's not going to come easy, regardless of the crap that you hear people uh, talking about, you know, out there, the, you know, the four-hour work week and all this other bullshit that's out there uh, about, you know, getting more and, and you know, doing less. Um, it is really about getting in there, working hard, and I think making a decision that you're going to enjoy what it is that you're doing. I don't think that um, uh, when we're working, it's miserable unless we, unless we, it's miserable if we want it to be miserable. Let's put it that way. It can be as fun as we want it to be. It can be as challenging as what we want it to be. Uh, for most people that actually are miserable what they're, when they're doing it, the misery that they're creating for themselves is mostly out of their own fear, their unwillingness to break through, their unwillingness to grow when it comes to the idea of rejection. Steph and I constantly see people just paralyzed by the idea of being rejected or feeling unloved or unappreciated in their business. And business, I mean, if you're getting into business for appreciation, if you're getting into business for love, if you're getting into business for recognition, um, those are the wrong things to get in business for. And I've, I've told many people that once you get really good at those things in your business, when you get really good at you, when you get really good at your skill sets, when you get really good at your business, you will definitely receive a lot of love and appreciation from your business. The funny thing is, is, is this. When you actually get there, you no longer need it. But as long as you need it, you'll never get there. Because it's breaking free of those things that allow you to actually get there. Because when you need love and appreciation for your business, you cannot become effective at really helping another person. You're very needy. You're very entitled. You don't want to have to work a lot. You make all kinds of excuses for why you can't work. And when you break through those things, you then become extraordinarily effective. You are able to charge what it is that you're really worth based on your effectiveness. And you can, you know, just, you know, race ahead at, at 150 miles an hour in the direction for where it is that you want to go. But it all starts with really taking a very close look at and getting real with yourself about what the hell it is that you're actually doing. It is very true. I believe that it's very true to become extremely successful much easier today than it was, say, 30 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago. It's definitely a true statement. And that statement is true 
for a couple reasons. Number one, there's way more people out there that have the ability to purchase than there used to be. Technology makes uh, most businesses easier all the way around. Technology has allowed businesses to exist that couldn't exist without the technology. Um, and technology makes things happen much faster in, in many cases. So because of those things, uh, it's also, it's, you know, it's created a myriad of different business opportunities where success can be a lot easier today. The other thing that stood out to me, um, amongst many things, uh, in Keith Richards' book was how difficult, um, things were when Keith was born. He was born in 1943, um, in England, where he talks about how the, the talk of the town was how much better things were before, before the war. And that he lived um, in a tenement where, you know, you didn't know from one day to the next if a bomb was going to come through your front window. And how he used to hear the siren uh, as a little guy and they would have to run to a bomb shelter. And how a bomb would come whizzing down the street and kill all the people on one side of the street and they, they would still be alive. Um and then after the war, how they were put on ration stamp, where you could only get, you know, so much food based on the ration that was given out. No more, no less. Uh, his mother was in charge of distributing about 12 cakes a week to two or 300 people. And people would come up and say, can I have a cake this week? And she'd say, no, you had a cake last week. You know, you can't have one this week. Um, I mean, they didn't have heat half the time. Um, it was rough. It was really rough. And, you know, they were processing all different kinds of things emotionally. However, I think you get to the point where it's like you have to do it regardless. I think all this all this processing that we go through, like, well, I've got this emotional problem, and this happened to me when I was a kid, and, um, you know, I've got this difficulty doing this. It's not that people of the past, those things didn't happen. They just didn't have the luxury of sitting in their own shit and dwelling on it. You know, well, let me spend two weeks not making sales calls and figure out what happened to me when I was five when my father yelled at me. And how I felt about that, right? They didn't have time to do that. People would starve. People would die. You know, in many ways, our luxury is creating crippled people. Because now all we do is sit around and contemplate uh, our own crap. And I have never seen anybody that just sits around and contemplates their emotional issues actually do a damn thing with them. I think that really what comes, what creates a healing is being conscious of those issues as we go through the changes that are necessary in order to make the transformation. But to sit around and say, I have, I have a block. Well, pick up the phone anyway. So what? Do you have a block. If you were sitting around and your family was starving to death uh, and you said, well, I've, I've got a block, I can't, 
I'm afraid to shoot that rabbit so that my family could eat. It would either be you either shoot the rabbit and everybody gets to eat or you starve because you want to sit, sit around and figure out why you can't shoot the rabbit. Sometimes our block and the way we approach our block is entirely dysfunctional in itself. It's just an excuse for not doing anything. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't work through things and we shouldn't heal and we shouldn't talk about things and reflect on on different things, but when it becomes the primary focus of how we spend our time, when it becomes the excuse that needs to, you know, I need to do this first before I can make a phone call. I need to do this first before I can make a sales call then it, it's just an excuse. And you're really bullshitting yourself to the detriment and to the effect of your own failure, your own failure. It's not going to get better. Even if you did, do figure out what happened to you at five, it's not going to allow you all of a sudden to get on the phone and not be afraid of rejection. It's not going to have you manifest people at your front door with a credit card ready to buy your book or your program or whatever it is that you've got. It's going to take hard work. And the only way that you get over a fear is by doing the thing that you're afraid of. There is no other way to get over a fear. You have to do the thing you're afraid of because fear is an illusion in the mind. And unless you're doing the thing that you're afraid of, the illusion stays real. The illusion stays real. The idea that what we're doing is hard, I mean, really? You know, think about people that were coal miners underground for 18 hours a day, uh, breaking big rocks into little rocks. People that work out in 100-degree heat picking cotton in the fields for 18 hours a day. Those things are hard. We have, most of us have no idea what hard work really is. We've never worked hard a day in our life. We run from hard work. We feel that we shouldn't have to work hard, yet we want to make more money than anybody else has made. That's entitlement. That's not I deserve this. That's entitlement. You don't deserve anything until you're ready to get in there and work and grow and do the things necessary to come out on the other side with the things that you want. Picking up the phone, making phone calls, disciplining yourself to do those things is not hard. If you're not doing it, it's lazy. It's absolutely lazy. It's entitlement. It's needy. We have got to wake up. We've really got to wake up. We want extraordinary benefits, but we're not willing to do extraordinary things. We want God's best, but we're not willing to give God our best. It's sad. It's so sad. But this is where you've got to play hardball with yourself. You've got to be completely and utterly and brutally honest with yourself and say, what am I running from? What am I so afraid of? And get to work. It's about work, folks. It's about work. It's about work day in and day out, day in and day out. 
I was just telling Steph, we're going to figure out exactly how many sales calls we made last year and how many coaching calls we made last year and how many VIP days we did last year. And then travel, most people would be shocked. Most people, I know we did over 100 VIP days alone last year, just in one year. And when you think about how many coaching calls Steph and I do combined, how many sales calls the company does as a whole, how many travel days we have, it's hard work. It's hard work. But the rewards are astounding. They're absolutely astounding. I don't worry about money. Steph doesn't worry about money. Most of the people that work with us don't worry about money. We get to do things and interact with people that we would never get to do. We live a pretty positive life. We have a hell of a lot of fun. We get to travel to all over the world. We get to enjoy really great things. And we work really hard for those things to be true. Now, you're going to, you know, you go work a job, you're going to work hard. And you're not going to have any of those things. You might have a modest house in a modest neighborhood with a lot of dysfunction and get to pass on all of that stuff to your kids in the form of, well, it's too hard to, to live my dream. If you're going to live your dream, it's hard. You look at every person that had a dream. It was hard. You have to break through beliefs. You have to make yourself do things. You have to live by your calendar. How many of you live by your calendar? How many sales calls are on your calendar every single day? When I was making sales in the company and it was just me, I used to make sales calls based on time zones. The idea was how many calls could I get in every single week? So I would start at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning and call Europe. And then I would work my way right through the East Coast, the Midwest, United States, onto the West Coast, over to Hawaii, and then down into Australia and Singapore. I could make calls literally 24 hours a day. There was no chance of me running out of people to talk to. I would frequently be found at 2 o'clock in the morning on a sales call. How bad do you really want it? Well, it's 5 o'clock. There's nobody left to call. You're just looking for an excuse not to make the call. When do you start making calls? Well, I don't start calling till around noon. Noon? I'd make 500000 before noon because I'm on the phone. Well, I don't know if I really want that. I mean, I want to have a I want to have a personal life too. You've got to change your view. That is a middle class viewpoint, right? Your working life is not much different than your personal life. It's about a life attitude. What is your life attitude? I don't really separate work from life. 
The stones didn't separate work from life. Your business is your art. It is your life expression. Why would you separate that from the rest of your life? It just doesn't make sense. You've got to shift the way that we're thinking about what it is that we're doing. Life itself is hard work. Life itself is hard work. Are you working to be lazier? So that there's less to do? What are you going to do, sit on the TV and watch old reruns and eat cornflakes all day? What are you doing? If every day is not a day of growth, it's a day of going backwards. Sitting around and chanting and praying and doing all of those things. You know, I mean, you might want to do those things for your spiritual well-being, but then get to work. Because work will build your spiritual well-being more than just sitting around meditating about how you wish things were instead of making things how you want things to be. You used to send these evaluation forms out to people and say, what are the five or ten most important things that you need to do every day? Well, I need to get up, I pray, I center myself, I make my tea, then I feed the kids, then I talk to my husband, then I pray some more, then I go to yoga class, and uh, then I you know, get ready for the kids coming home from school. And not a word in there about work, or maybe at some point it would say, then I make some sales calls in the afternoon. It's like, well, no wonder your business isn't working. Are you living your life based on what you don't want to do? Or are you living your life based on what you need to do so that you can live the way that you want to? So many people are setting up their whole life in avoidance of all the things that they don't want to do. I don't want to take risks. I don't want to be told no. I don't want somebody to be angry with me. I don't want somebody to ask for a refund. I don't want my employee to leave. I don't want to have to hire somebody. I don't want to have to spend more money. I don't want to have to look at my bills. I don't want to have to look at my numbers. It just scares me. Get over it. Then you shouldn't be in business. Get over it. If you have to sit, you sit down and make a list of all the things that you don't want to do in your business and then burn the damn thing and get on with it. Get on with it. Otherwise, get a job. That's what they're there for. Earl Nightingale pointed out a long time ago, he's like, you know, we live in a really great country. If you do not want to be a person that wants to have the independence of their own success and the freedom of making however much money they want to make, 
You can do that in this country. We have places for you. They're called jobs. They're called jobs. You can go and work for someone else. You can go work for someone else. We're even in a time in history where you can work for someone else and still make as much money as you want to make. That's not a job. That's an independent contractor. I'm talking about job you're paid by the hour. We have people that work in our company. They can make as much money as they want. No limit. No limit to how much they can make. That's not, they don't have jobs. They don't work for me. Those people work with me. We have a common goal. And they work. They don't come to me and say, well, I couldn't make phone calls today, Dave. They send me sales recordings. They say, how can I get better? Show me where I'm not doing well. And then I show them and they're back on the phone working. They've got a vision for themselves. They want something. People that I've worked with and helped them over a million dollars, they don't come to me, come to me and, and say, well, I couldn't get on the phone today. It didn't matter what was going on in their life. People might be dying. They would be in the hallway making phone calls. People would be sick. They would take shifts with other people in their family, and when it wasn't their shift, they'd be making phone calls. There wasn't, I'm too tired. I was up with the kids all night, I'm too tired. You've got to really think about what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, at the end of your life, You can sit there and you'll have one of two things in your hands. You'll either have your results or you'll have your excuses. Your hands won't be empty. It'll either be filled with your results or it'll be filled with your excuses. You get to own whichever they are, your results or excuses. It's your choice. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.